to a doctor's prayer. In the operating room, the first light of its kind is installed. No portion of an operation is ever in shadow. Hello and welcome to Ramjack and the song of the melancholy horse trainer. Hello everyone, welcome to the 62nd episode of the Ramjack podcast. My name is Jonathan. And over in the corner, hopped up on pills and various sort of Romeo and Juliet-esque medications swirling through his brain like soup, is Brad. How, how are you, Brad? I'm alive! Well, that's something that can be said, yes. Yes, I, I've been a bit ill as of late, but you know, I'm surviving, I'm getting by. Well, I think I think that should be the the topic that we delve into first. Not not the fact of how you came to be ill or what the illness is specifically, but what occurred to you in the process of becoming and being <laughs> sick. There there are many fun tales. First, may I just point out because I've just realized this. Um, I have a bag of cough drops in front of me. Uh-huh. <clears throat> now, this is a generic store brand cough drop. But on the back there is a there is a chart that says compare and save, where you can compare their cough drops to Hall's brand cough drops. Oh boy! You know a lot of a lot of companies will use this so you can see the different ingredients and you know to make sure you're you know you're still getting a quality product. <clears throat> the packaging you're saying yes, is what they yes. use to convey that information. Right, right, right. So um, what we have here we have three three elements. Um, one soothes sore throats. They both do that. <laughs> Fair enough. Check and check. <laughs> Good job. Relieves cough. Both do that. Two checks. <laughs> Economical. Only one. Only one. And in this day and age, I guess that's what beats out the <laughs> the brand name. <laughs> I guess that 50 cents really does it. It's like when you go to the grocery store and you look at the bottom shelf in the cereal aisle. They should have that on the side. Edible. Check and check. Looks like things... Check and check. $4 cheaper. Us! Yay! So buy those circle O's. <laughs> Don't buy your kids Cheerios. I, I lived a, I've lived a, a long and and somewhat healthy life on I'm, off-brand products. I'm not going to lie. Your your voice right now sounds like a combination <clears throat> of like young pre-puberty Brad <laughs> and old man Brad. <clears throat> yeah, it's starting to break up a little bit. I wasn't expecting that. <clears throat> this podcast may end. <laughs> the shortest podcast <laughs> ever. I wasn't expecting to lose my voice during a podcast. Hmm. <laughs> if only there was a way for you to sign the language that you wish to put forth to the audience. And then I could give that information to them. I'm going to down some more honey, lemon, ginseng, green tea. Uh, you down that tea as fast as you can. Um. So, as has been said many times, I... I am going to improv classes in Chicago, and that requires me to see a lot of shows at the theater just to kind of get my feet wet. And uh, the last time I went, God help me, it seemed like almost anyone and everyone was just going to look at me and talk to me and be as weird as humanly possible. Nice. And I'll go backwards because there was a guy... I, I always feel weird. I'm always by myself. I never have someone with me usually. So I sit at the bar, but I don't... 
I don't want to automatically sit next to somebody. I, I want to put at least one chair between us, just in case there's some other random solo person. And this guy fucking shows up, and he's snapping his fingers a lot, and he's kind of bopping his head to the music, and he's just kind of this doofy douche with a buzz cut, and he looks at the chair between me and this other guy, and he goes, hey, I think I'm going to sit there. Is that cool? And I just, I kind of That's nodded. totally hip, daddy-o. That's totally hip. And I kind of looked at him and nodded vaguely and just looked away, because I was like, nope, you are the kind of guy that's going to want to talk to me the minute you sit down, and there is no way we can establish that as a, as a rule. So I, I stayed facing away from him, and I just saw this guy, like, doing air drums to music that was like not even really drum centric and so he was just fucking doing drums and he was wearing cargo shorts so Ah, ironically gross brad has three strikes against this guy he's out and i don't know man like it was pretty clear like he kept turning to the guy at his left and then he kept turning to me like who am i gonna talk to i was like no one buddy because that's just not really how things work I mean, unless you're super charming and charismatic, neither of which you display at this moment, uh, those traits are not on display, uh, unless you're those things, it's just not going to be facilitated easily. And at one point, he just hops out of that fucking seat after doing maybe five minutes of air drums, and he goes, I think I'm going to sit over here instead. And I was like, you're talking to no one. You're absolutely talking to no one, because no one gives a shit. No one fucking gives a shit. So he goes over to this weird little uh, separate area with bar stools, but there's this weird little shelf for your drinks that just protrudes out of the wall. So it's not a bar, it's just a shelf to put your stupid drink on. And he sits in the middle of three seats, there are only three, and he just spreads out. He just puts his arm around the other two chairs like there's two invisible ghost ladies (laughs) that he's going to take home and have ghost sex with. And he just spreads his legs out like he needed the room. And what's really weird is that later on in the night, or before the show started, I should say, there's a woman who's kind of, not kind of, she is the owner of the damn building and the company. And I just noticed that she saw him and she was like, oh my God, it's you. And she went over and talked to him, sat down next to him for the shows. And she's kind of one of those people that uh, if, if you... Like, if you get on her good side, you know, bully for you. But if you get on your bad side, you can basically go fuck yourself in terms of being on a team or having any sort of sway around there. So I thought to myself, oh, let me process how rude I was to that guy. Because I don't think I was rude so much as just, like, distant. As in, like, "Mm, no, eh, no. That's this conversation that you wish for us to have is not going to happen. And in hindsight, I'm like, well, it's not like I told the guy to go fuck himself. It's not like he's leaning over and going, see that guy over there? That guy's a fucking jerk. (laughs) I want you to take all of his money, have him go through the entire program, and then the second that fucker graduates, I want you to look him dead in the eye and go, you, sir, shall not be an improviser at this theater. Can you do that for me, honey? And she just pats him on the bare, short-wearing leg and just goes, oh, yes, I'll do that for you, strange buzz-cut kid. He was a weird guy, dude. So, But that's not nearly as weird as my initial encounter walking into the theater. So if you're an improviser, you have the opportunity to apply to be an intern. And that uh, eliminates your tuition fees, but you have to work at the theater for like two two-hour shifts a week for no pay. 
And you have to wear this doofy black shirt that says staff on the back, and you have to wear black pants, and it's like you're backstage at a show, even though it really shouldn't be that much of a dress code. Like, wear the t-shirt, but the black pants, really, we're not doing a Broadway tour. You're not, you're not, you're not operating a pulley system, bringing in flies in the back. Right. And this guy... Uh, there's two of them working the little uh, ticket taker stand at the, at the front of the fucking theater. And one guy just sees me holding my ticket and he goes, oh, okay, go ahead. And the second guy, who's, who's shorter than I am, really squirrely. Like glasses, kind of a weird... He, he's like Douglas from Charles in Charge, all grown up <laughs> in all of his awkward pockmarked glory. And as I'm passing him, he goes, hey, man... How was the pub crawl? Like he really genuinely knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of stopped and I looked around and I was like, he's got to be talking to somebody else. And he's looking right at me and I went, excuse me? He goes, the mustache pub crawl, man. How was the mustache pub crawl? Like really insistent to the point of borderline suspicion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't even know there was one today. And he goes, oh, really? Can I see your ticket? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, here it is. And he goes, okay, well, I take that copy. Enjoy the show, man. And I was like, look, dude, you were standing right next to the first guy I interacted with. And that guy was perfectly fine. First of all, I bought a ticket to see your fucking improv show at a theater where I'm paying $260 every eight weeks to take your classes. Okay? So I know you don't know that, but there's no reason to get snickety-snickety with me. Maybe I'm being too hard on him. I genuinely think he might have thought I went to this fucking mustache pub crawl. What's a mustache pub crawl? Like what? You go into the you go into the bar and you get a free drink because of your mustache? I don't know. That's weird. I mean, Chicago, I guess, is a pub crawl city because there's the Santa pub crawl. God forbid we not have one of those. Uh, I think there's one happening at least every two days. So I, I'm not surprised that he told this to me. They're they're really weird with students because I walked up to the main box office window at one point and I said. Uh, hey, I'm a student here. This was another show. And I said, hey, I'm a student here. Is it okay if I go in or do you think it's, you know, do you, are you sold out? I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't sold out. And the guy goes, well, uh, let me tell you this. We have 92 customers in there already. Then he kind of leans forward. He goes, 92 paying customers. And I just want, and I, he's seen me before and I just want to go, look, I know you have a lot of people walking in and out of this fucking theater, but here, why don't you cut me a fucking slice of humble bread and eat it for yourself? Because I don't need you to emphasize the word pain in your sentence. Yeah. It's really presumptuous and you're kind of treating me like a dick. Yeah. And he says the phrase, don't be surprised if you get kicked out twice. He said it and then he immediately said it again. And I just went, dude, I fucking get it. Yeah. Borderline here, I've been here for Borderline 16 weeks. I, I feel stupid when you and other people make me feel that way. And it's like I, it's like they're... This guy really does. He needs to be fucking fired because he treats the students all like that. Like they're trying to cheat the system. Right. And I found out that uh, he was a student, took all the classes, didn't get on a fucking team, auditions every year, and never gets on a team. Oh. So, here's an idea. If they don't want you that bad, don't work for them. (laughs) Yeah. 
Instead of fucking making everyone else feel like shit. That's just sad. They also make you sit in the student ghetto. Because there's this weird back area where they're like, okay, keep moving farther back. Farther, farther. Go up against the wall. And, alright, get kicked out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm in the student ghetto. I can barely see the stage. Oh, well. Let me tell a tale of a woman that was in the emergency room last week. Let me tell the story in her own words as I first heard it. <laughs> That's, yeah, from, yes. her, from her mouth. Um, she was at, like, a, like the phone that was right across from where I was at. So I, I was wonderfully able to hear this tale. She's calling her husband. Could you come up here? I'm at the emergency room, and I've just about had my finger severed off. I have had my finger severed off, and just... No, just come up here in about 30 minutes. Um, no, I was just I was just being a good Samaritan. I was being a good Samaritan. Uh, um, this gentleman, he, he had parked his car, and um, the back wheel of the car was up on the curb, and he got it he got it caught on on the power line. Nope. No. Makes no sense. Not a thing. Makes no sense. No. Eventually, she revised that to the um, I think it was like the phone booth, some kind of line that was coming from a phone booth or. A light pole or something. A stray cable? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and he had gotten the fender of his car somehow <clears throat> intermeshed with this metal wire that was coming from a pole. And she <laughs> was trying to help him. And in the process, she was trying to direct him while she tried to pull the cable back. Um, well, no. Yeah, and then he was pulling forward... But he did it too fast, or before she said whatever, and it cut her finger. Uh-huh. None of this makes sense, really. So he parked. <laughs> he didn't crash into the phone. No. He parked awkwardly. Hole. According uh, to her. Yeah. I'm going to grab onto this phone cable with my bare hands, because apparently that's safe. <laughs> yeah. Um... Like, the story is weird enough. Like, I'll grant her... I, I will grant that there was some kind of cable, and she was trying to help somebody do something. Um, because I heard the story, like, four more times. And that was one of the only constants. <laughs> she may not be that intelligent, to be fair. She, she wasn't. But she kept saying, the word, I severed my finger off. And I was nope. like, oh my god, that's terrible. But then, like... Then, like, as the story progressed, it was like... And I cut... And I'm, they're probably going to put stitches on it. What? You mean you mean to reattach the finger? Yes, I would assume so, because your yeah. finger got chopped off, right, lady? Apparently the word severed has many meanings, one of which means kind of cut. Well, did she keep vacillating between I nearly got it severed off and I got my finger severed off? She um, Originally it was severed. Um, as the oh conversations progressed, um, all the, the five variations, um, it, I eventually worked out that she cut her finger and they were probably going to have to put a couple of stitches in it. So it was just her doing a hysterical southern hyperbole. Right. <clears throat> I just about had my foot cut off. Like, no. But then it got, like, and, like, already I was amused by this woman. Just, like, from the first conversation, I was like, oh, this woman is already completely over-exaggerating, like, her case. <laughs> Which is amusing to me. I, I enjoy it. It's entertaining. <clears throat> but then she's calling another relative um, that, I guess it was her daughter or granddaughter or something. She was calling multiple people? Yes. Oh, all right. And and it seemed like the, the, her husband was going to come pick her up. Um, but she was just she was calling this daughter or granddaughter or niece, whatever, um, and was like, I just want you to let you know that um, we're probably not going to be able to make it tonight because I've severed my finger off. 
Hey, wait a minute. This woman cut her own finger so she could get out of an awkward social situation. <laughs> um, but I just want you to know, I, I want you to know, but um, if we don't get to make it over there tonight, I just want you to know that, you know, I, 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 I care about y'all. I've, I've never mean to do any of y'all any harm. Well, it's like, whoa, there's drama going on. And then it was like all this, but then it was like this weird, like manipulative bullshit, clearly trying to make them feel bad about her situation. And she was- cut herself so she could avoid an intervention. <laughs> she had a very good feeling that her family was going to sit her down and go, look, you have some issues. Well, it was this whole thing about like, apparently she lied about something and like, um, this, uh, niece, daughter, whatever, um, was just, wasn't, hasn't been speaking to her. And they were God. they were gonna try and go over there and talk it out or something, but this has happened and now but she's trying to get sympathy for it. So this is just a lying conniving bitch. Yeah. Even if that situation, mm, I'm starting to think none of that situation actually happened. I, I'm well, thinking that I'm not saying she cut herself, mm-hmm. but I'm probably saying that she cut herself in a very banal way, mm-hmm. and she's probably making it all up. That's possible, but I will say she doesn't seem very bright. And it was a very, it was the, the story with the car and the cable was very set. There were some variations on, he was at a bar, he was drunk. Um, people what? were, um, at one point she was like, um, and no one would help this guy. And everyone was pointing at him and laughing at him and making fun of him. And I went over because I'm a good Samaritan and tried to help him because no one else was. What time of the day was this that you were at the hospital? This was, oh, there are the fireworks. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I'm glad we're getting this recorded. <laughs> It sounds like someone with a shotgun is mad at you for stealing his daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's the dangers of living uh, less than a mile from the stadium. Wow, those were very strict. I would have never guessed that's what a firework sounds like that close. Uh, they're they're often louder than that. That was just a, a light barrage. Woof. I guess if they win tonight, they'll probably be more. But <clears throat> whatever. You should just play some light patriotic music under that bit of audio. <laughs> I'm leaving all that in. Oh, of course, because that's great. Um, what time at night? Oh yeah, it was yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was probably like about four p.m. Oh, okay. So this guy was drunk now. Yeah, drunk yet? Well, in one variation, sometime in the afternoon. Yeah, in one variation he was drunk, and another everyone was pointing at him and laughing at him and wouldn't help him. <laughs> Look at that stupid drunk trying to get his car not wedged between that <laughs> cable and that telephone pole. It's so weird. Oh, what a what a weird convergence of circumstances yeah. we found ourselves in. Was... I can't believe they're laughing at him. I'm gonna be a good Samaritan. Here, I'll hold on to this cable and then you gun it. <laughs> now only when I say yeah. I didn't oh, say no, yeah. No. Oh no. My finger severed off. I lightly cut my index finger, <laughs> aka it's not attached to my hand. <laughs> Same thing. Wow. Oh, lying bitch. Yep, she was lying. She's evil. I'm, I'm just so sorry that I cannot come over to your bridal shower. <laughs> you know I wanted to come, you fucking bitch. Look, daughter of mine, I would love to come to your wedding. I would. <laughs> even though I tried to assassinate your husband-to-be. But I just had all five of my fingers cut off on my right hand. How I, am I holding the phone, you might ask? My skull was just severed from my head. <laughs> I'm talking to you from a buffet table underneath <laughs> a silver tray. I'm about to be revealed to a snooty couple in a tuxedo and a gown. <laughs> Mom, this is ridiculous. At a certain point, you're going to have to start stop drinking rubbing alcohol and sit down and talk about this. 
It's so awful. I refuse to talk about my problems. Yeah. Okay, so here's another fun tale from the hospital. It's like the Canterbury Tales of Sickness. <laughs> so, um, I got booked in. I had to stay the night at the hospital, which was lame. Like a hotel. <laughs> you got checked in. Yeah. Um, I thought they were going to have to keep me, uh, they were talking about keeping, possibly keeping me another day, which would have sucked. And I came up with this elaborate scheme in which we would record in the hospital room. Yeah, you were really feverish or something, weren't you? I know I was bored as hell. They tried to put the IV in, um, on one arm, but I had, like, the trainee nurse, and she, oh, like, God. Yeah, she went through the vein, which never. sucked. Never, never, never. Yeah, so they had to put it in the other arm, so I couldn't, I couldn't really write with my hand. Oh, no. I think everyone knows that I don't do very well when I can't work. Oh, yeah. I mean, from the amount of instances you've, you've told us about staying up really late, eating, you know, chocolate-covered coffee beans, too. I just, I... I Keep like, your brain going. I can't... I cannot abide not being able to work. And this is what's such a great opportunity to get work done. I'm sure. in a hospital room. I uh, mean... Well, my question is, did did it was it revealed to you that she was a trainee before or after she fucking went through your vein? Well, it was kind of clear, because anytime there's two nurses, and one of them's uh, like, okay, I'm going to be doing this. It's like, oh, you're one of those. Yeah, boy. So, yeah. I've you're got 19. A, <laughs> yeah. I've got a horrific bruise from that. Yeah. Oh, quick um, quick side note. The first nurse um, that came in and like uh, got some, drew some blood, so she's pulling blood, and she's like, oh, wow, look at that big vein popping up to meet me. Oh! Mm. It's like it's like that weird pseudo baby talk sexual shit. Well, like, no, it was the, who's a big boy. <laughs> it was really I don't think she realized what she said, but there was really no response I could give at all. None. Because what oh. do you say? Oh well, thank you. Um, I've never seen a vein so big. Uh, check this mad vein. Wow. And now I'm gonna sever it. <laughs> But yeah, I had this full plan that we would uh, we would get like uh, two iPods together and we would record uh, and just catch the sounds of the hospital and <laughs> talk to the nurses and be like, hey, what's going on? But uh, yeah. You, so wait, in this scenario, Alex is there? Yeah, I, I assumed Alex would um, would bring his iPhone and then we could um, Skype through one and record through the other. Holy God. <laughs> okay, so clearly that did not happen, unfortunately. Right, but... um. As, I, as they were finally checking me out to leave, <laughs> the nurse came in and was like, "Oh, by the way, um, you know any of this, any of these, uh, any of the stuff you can take with you?" And I'm like, "What? What are you talking about?" And it's like these random toiletries, like you know, they're they're yours. Like you you paid for them. It's part of your bill. <laughs> wow, like what? It's like lotion and like soap and like little individual like travel balls. I'm like, um, all right. Why would those be in your hospital room? Well, you need those things. I. You need lotion? I don't know if you need lotion. I think old people need lotion, but I don't know. Wow. Were there were the, were the little, were there little bottles of shampoo? Yeah. Why? Well, Is there a shower in the room? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. So were you you were in a hospital hotel basically? <laughs> well, it was just a hospital room. I I most hospital rooms have showers. I think. Oh, I did not. Okay. All right, fair enough. You were staying at the Waldorf Astoria Hospital Hotel. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Would you was, like another tray of food, Mr. Gillis? <laughs> but it was so bizarre, he's like trying to push toiletries on me. I'm like, um, you know, I think I've got all these things at home. I'm good. And unless it was toilet paper and good toilet paper, I would have said no as well. Yeah. 
It's like, like no. no, I don't really need this tissue, like, transparent toilet paper. No thanks. <laughs> I took the bottle, little bottle of mouthwash because I was like, well, they're going to throw it away, I guess. And I've used, you know, a normal human amount of mouthwash, so I guess I should you, take it. You covered it in your gross germs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a waste. I guess they do have to throw all that stuff out. Yeah. Ooh, weird. I, so I, I grabbed that. I, but I hadn't really used anything else except soap, and I'm not really going to take soap with me. <laughs> Maybe it's like when I went to the orthodontist when I had braces, and every time you went, you got wooden nickels, and then you could trade in the wooden nickels after a certain amount and get and get wonderful prizes, <laughs> like movie movie theater gift certificates or a Walkman. I think Ooh. the Walkman was the most expensive prize. I bet so. I think you needed like seventy five wooden nickels after your parents had slapped down like maybe six thousand dollars worth oh, of yeah. orthodon- orthodontist work. <laughs> you had to fuck up your teeth for that Walkman. Yep, hit me. <laughs> I want that Walkman from 1999. Well, now, well, now let's talk about your uh, your gypsy dreams, your uh, <laughs> your peyote fueled Native yes. American visions. Of course, going to the hospital, you're gonna pick up some disease. Sure. So now I've come down with a, like a terrible cold, flu, something or other. I don't know what it is, but it's horrific. Um, and I had a lot of fever. And as we all know, I'm very apt to hallucinate. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I don't know. We, we joke about it, but you stay up so much. Well, yeah. That, that the sleep. only inevitable result is going to be a hallucination. Right, too. right, right. <laughs> I, but I have a lot of sleep deprivation hallucinations. And anytime I'm sick and have fever, I have hallucinations. Um, and this time, they were frightening. I was about to say, I was going to ask, were they worse or the same I, I feel as like those these, you have? These were partic- especially the second one, was it particularly scary? I don't know. <clears throat> the first one... Um, there was like 45 degree angles flying everywhere. I remember you tweeting about this. How can you better explain that? I, because it seems like if, you, if you're not living it, it seems like a very strange thing to say. All right. Imagine, like a, imagine you drew like a 45 degree angle, just two lines. Okay. And so those are just flying around me like trains. Oh, so like it looks like images of those lines are coming at you. Yes. I like from all sides and angles and directions. <laughs> yes. Uh, are there any sounds that accompany? No, no. Just oh. it's just that, and it's like kind of shaky. So there's a little bit of a vibration to it. Yeah, yeah. It was really creepy. And disorienting. I have yeah. to say. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I didn't take a chance on trying to stand up any during that time. No, 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 no. no. I don't think I would have made it very far. But the second hallucination. <clears throat> this is freaky. All right, now, you have to imagine I'm, like, full of fever, freezing. I've bound myself up in blankets. Did you finally experience your waking nightmare? Did you experience a nightmare involving greys? No. Shorts, cats, hot air balloons. Oh, that would have been worse. Um, But no, in this, I fully believed my arms and legs had frozen solid, shattered, and then were cutting me like glass. They were cutting the rest of your body. Yes, I was being chopped up by glass from my limbs that had frozen and shattered. How quick was this process? Like, was it a really long process that, like, your arms and, like, slowly froze, and then, like, you felt them shatter? I have or no Or did it all idea. happen all at once? I think it happened rather quickly. I feel, the, I feel like the cutting, the, the cutting feeling was longer than the freezing. Uh-huh. Were you getting those sensations, or was it all mental? Uh, like as in, I feel 
a cold, like a, a chill in my arms, or was it like a stiffness that you literally felt you could not move? I well, I'm guessing because again, you know, the mind plays tricks. Sure. Um, I'm guessing it was because I was bundled so tightly and I couldn't move. That was probably part of it, and also because I was so, you know, I was shivering from the fever. Makes sense. So I, I'm guessing that was all uh, a huge part of it. Your brain got super bored and was like, let's make this more interesting. Yeah, and then having fun flashback memories of being cut by glass, which is fun. Fun. Oh, no. Good God. <laughs> yeah. Dark <laughs> nothing, childhood memories. Not, nothing like a, like a sensory memory to uh, bring it. You can use all of this in, a, in an acting performance. <laughs> now that you've relived it yet again. Yes, that's what it's for, supposedly. You're like Sally Field, <laughs> crying by cutting herself on the insides. Oh, fuck. that is a terrifying hallucination. Yeah, it's pretty uh, extensive. The 45 degree angles—that's that's almost academic in comparison. Right. That's yeah. That's that's not much different from my weird dreams of shapes. But the the only thing I can really compare that to in my experience is when I used to have insomnia as a kid, and I've had it occasionally when I'm sick. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the brain can come up with some pretty crazy fucking shit. Yeah. And no matter how you try to talk to it and say, look, the both of us, you and I need to calm down. We need to like breathe a little bit and stop sweating bullets because this is getting a little out of control. Um, my brain always goes into a math mode Mm -hmm. where it's creating this ever exponentially growing math equation where like somehow it keeps adding to the final sum and it just gets to this point where it's a, it's big enough to basically encompass the entire universe. Wow. And my brain like just can't handle it. It's firing on all cylinders to try to understand what's going through its own mind. And I also remember as a kid imagining the se- the series finale of Seinfeld as performed by living giant potatoes. Nice. And they were all just kind of like moving around and kind of levitating. And there was no dialogue, but like I knew it was Seinfeld. (laughs) I guess maybe the... I guess that was playing. That's awesome. Woof. And none of my my parents, uh, neither of my parents or my family members could just tell me that... Maybe they didn't even know what insomnia was because I kept asking them, why can't I go to sleep? Why... Why can't I go to sleep? And none of them knew the word insomnia, I guess. And at one point, my aunt, who's a lovely woman, but I guess not so smart in this instance, she said, well, that kind of reminds me of when I have my time of the month. <laughs> and as a kid, I was like, I didn't know what that was. So I was like, wait a minute, what's that? Maybe that's what I'm having. <laughs> so you're saying, like, you, you can't sleep? And she goes, yeah, I guess that's pretty similar. So my dumb ass, like, I didn't walk around telling anybody, like, eat, like... <laughs> I, I have what my aunt has every time she has her time of the month. She can't sleep either. But that's a terrible diagnosis to give a child. <laughs> yes. Just horrible. to look at, look at the fuck up. I guess we didn't have the internet back then. <laughs> you have insomnia, kid. You can't go to sleep. <laughs> Take some NyQuil and knock him out. <laughs> give that kid some drugs. Something. White people love drugs. Dum dum dums. Oi. You need to get better. At least your voice didn't give out as you were telling the stories. Yeah, I'm I'm knocking back these uh, economical cough drops. Well, is there is there anything else uh, from your sickness adventure? Or I, I will I'd like to say one thing quickly. <laughs> it's about the state of America's health system. <laughs> I've prepared a forty minute speech. <laughs> oh, we'll have the discussion someday. But um, I would like to say Hollywood, stop fucking up my birthday. 
Oh no, yes, this. I remember you saying this before. I just found this out and I want to speak about it. Well, it's fresh, hot news. Now remind us all when your birthday is. My birthday is November 18th. November 18th. It's on my calendar, but it's not. I don't think it's on our listeners' calendars. Last year, my birthday was thwarted by Harry Potter. Oh no! The new movie came out, and I, of course, I live next to the movie theater. So I was I was planning on going out and um, grabbing a bite to eat, but every place was like full of people waiting to go see the midnight showing of the Harry Potter movie. Wearing wizard caps and saying, Asio, check! Right. And I hate Harry Potter. This is true. And I don't want to be surrounded by Harry Potter people talking about Harry Potter, especially on my birthday, when I just want to go out and have a nice, quiet meal. So I just went home and did not celebrate. Okay, so I thought the reason you were upset that it was ruined was because you maybe wanted to go see a movie, but the only thing that came out that weekend was Harry Potter. No, no, no. It's... No, it's... It's... It's the, because it's the it's the size of the event that it sure. just ruins the area. This year, guess what's coming out on November eighteenth? November eighteenth. Uh, well, I know it's on Harry Potter because that's coming out in like July. Right. It's the new Twilight. Oh no. Oh. Do you think that's better or worse in terms of a crowd? I bet I... it won't be as big of a crowd. It'll probably be just as ridiculous. Isn't this the last Twilight? No, my friend. No, 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 no. This is the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1. Oh, right. All right. This is. Have you not seen the trailer that just was released? I, I haven't bothered to watch it because I saw the date. My history with Twilight, the films, is kind of ridiculous because I bought the DVD of the first one thinking, this is going to be hilarious. Right. And then I realized, wow, this isn't that hilarious. <laughs> And then I went to the midnight screening of Twilight 2, New Moon, and I thought, well, that'll be hilarious. And then I went, and it wasn't hilarious. <laughs> and then uh, I snuck into the third one, <laughs> because I had watched a film previous to that, and I was like, well, let's watch a second movie. <laughs> I can't believe they're splitting the final book into two movies, because from the trailer for this first part, I don't think in, like the, in the third one, if you remember it all, nothing happens. Yeah, nothing. That's why I nothing. couldn't remember that's why I thought maybe I didn't see it, because nothing happened, and I no. couldn't separate what happened in the second movie from the third. Well, and, and in Breaking Dawn, that's when they have the big wedding, and I th from the trailer, it just looks like a lot of people are upset, and they have the wedding, and then they go to, like, Costa Rica, and this is the best part. There's a really quick shot. All you see is Robert Pattinson's pale vampire diamond back. And he's thrusting into Kristen Stewart. And his hand is on the headboard of their gigantic honeymoon bed. Ugh. And his hand crushes the headboard. <laughs> like, it turns into fucking splinters as he fucks the shit out of her hymen. Ugh. And then at the end of the trailer, she kind of rubs her stomach and she goes, No, it can't be, can it? I'm like, well, did you fuck without a condom? <laughs> I bet if you did, his vampire semen ripped right through that fucking human latex. Oh my god, that fourth book is supposed to be a delight of insanity. Because at one point, uh, he gives her a vampire C-section. Of course. He goes, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Because the baby's kicking and ripping at her ribs and organs. Because it's a vampire baby, and it wants <laughs> out. It's a baby that grows real fucking fast. I think it... I think the entire fertilization process is maybe a month, and then that baby's ready to get the fuck out. And when the baby is revealed, and everyone's like, oh, it's the baby, and she somehow didn't die giving birth to it, even though her ribs are broken. 
Uh, everyone gathers around the baby, and the Native American werewolf boy looks at the baby and immediately falls in love with it. Of course he does. Like, not as in, oh, I want to be an uncle to this baby. No, it's like, no, I want to marry this baby. <laughs> it was written, Twilight was written by Mormons. Yep, and that baby grows up super fast, and apparently they get together. That's fucking crazy, and I've got to see it. I've got to yeah. see that on the big screen. I, I hate these movies. The third one was terrible. I'll keep seeing them in the cheap theater. It's hilarious. I, I I don't know. As much as you hate Harry Potter, man alive, at least stuff happens in Harry Potter. It may be cliche adventure material. Like, it may be basically Luke Skywalker with wands. Mm. Uh, but at least it's not. At least Harry Potter isn't picking out his fail my and pro- his bouquet. My big problem with the Harry Potter stuff is that, like, it could be better. It's just that she takes the easy way out, and it could have been written a thousand times better, and there are clear mistakes made. Whereas Twilight is just shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like, I think... I can I can almost abide crap better than things that are just flawed. Right. Well, the first part of the last Harry Potter film, because Twilight copied that little convention of right. marketing, um, I have never been more confused with a Harry Potter film than the last one that came out. Because by the end of those books, and you read them all, right? I did. Okay. By the end of it, the mythology gets really crazy and kind of random and it, when they try to translate it into a movie like a linear plot for a film yeah. they just assume you know what's happening and I was like look guys I haven't read this book in I don't know how long I don't know what's going on and I'm willing to bet there's a lot of people here who maybe haven't read the books and they like to know you can't just present a character that we that I've never seen on screen before and have everyone else go oh it's that guy hello that guy no, I've never seen this guy before. Who's this guy? I don't know. It's impossible to it's almost impossible to adapt that kind of a series because there's too much stuff going on. And at the same time, not enough. And with the Twilight series, they probably should have just created more stuff to happen. Because God knows they needed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well I'm sorry your birthday's gonna be ruined again. <sighs> Can't you go somewhere where it's pretty self-assured that Twilight fans are not going to be there? We'll see. We'll see. Go to, like, first of all, it has to be an over-21 place. So a bar that serves food. Uh, and then you have to, like, go up to the like the barkeep and say, excuse me, barkeep, what kind of uh, clientele do you, do you fancy most of these days? Yeah, but, like, it's not like the Twilight group are really relegated to one... I wish they were relegated to just teenagers, but we all know that's not true. Uh, I think with that, though, it w- I think I would disagree. I think it's the majority is teenagers and then their moms. Teenagers and their moms and their aunts and their and their older sisters and... Right. Not a lot of uncles and dads, I don't think. You're not going to get that. With Harry Potter, I think you'd get the whole fucking family. Yeah. So at least you're cutting out the, the, the more of the dudes. Although at that midnight screening for Twilight New Moon, oh boy, there was a boy there who was trying very hard to establish that he was a straight teenage boy. And I was like, nope, nuh-uh. Because the minute you say something like, I'm Team Edward, or I'm Team Jacob, you're gay. Maybe he had some, like, revolutionary undercover game going. Like he was trying to get in some I am, I'm going to pick up some some hot Twilight girls. Well, look, uh, if your girl that you want to get with is a fan of Taylor Lautner, guess what? You're not going to get me because she has a basis of comparison. 
and she doesn't want your lacrosse playing skinny teenager ass <laughs> gripping the headboard like you're gonna crush it and then like whining because your hand hurts crush my headboard just just like Edward did it hurts <laughs> ow my hand hurts <laughs> fucking should not hurt this much for the dude for the dude it should not hurt <laughs> alright listeners here we are Counting down these last few episodes, it's time to talk about Charles in Charge. Yes, yes, it's that time again. We're going to tackle another pair of delightful Charles in Charge episodes. Today we're tackling The Wrong Guy and Mr. Brilliant. The, The latter of which I did not care for, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I am summarizing the wrong guy, and of course, as always, I have one minute or less to do that. Uh, do we remember, or did we ever keep track of what the lowest time was? The fastest, I should say? Um, or when maybe that, what the ballpark of that was? Uh, I, I, I believe it was me. Um, I think I did, uh, what, 42, 43 seconds? Damn. Okay. I, th- I figured it was in the 40s. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to try and see how well I do compared to that. All right. I don't think I can beat it, but... Uh, Tell me when you're ready, sir. Oh, my God. I don't I don't know. They're always doing something dumb. <laughs> Jason and Douglas are always doing something dumb and inconsequential that n- no one cares about. Um, ah, Jesus. I feel I am ready. All right, and three, two, one, go. Okay, Lila is going on a double date, and she is going with a young man named Van. And at first, Charles thinks it's an okay situation, but Mr. Pembroke is furious because Van is in a rock band known as the Scuzz, and he wears a bandana on his head and sings like a virgin to himself, like a psychopath. He would much rather Lila go out with Ed, played by Matthew Perry, who claims that his father went to Pem... Pem... Uh, no, uh, not Pembroke, that's not a fucking school. Uh, uh, Princeton. But that's not true, because Ed's a poser and a liar. And Charles, uh, convinces him that it's okay for them to go on a double date, but then Ed drops out, and Lila lies to everyone, and breaks the trust of her parents and Charles. Oh no! It's a very dramatic episode of Charles in Charge. Oh, and Douglas and Jason are doing some things in the background. The end. 54 seconds. I knew it. I, that was not a good summary. I, not the best. Hey, you, you made it in time. That's all that matters. Can't all, we can't all be perfect when it comes to Charles in Charge. Okay, so let's dive into this a little bit. Sure. Or a lot. <laughs> so we start off, and we've got uh, Buddy and Charles getting ready to go to a bachelor party at Louie's Boom Boom Room. How many orgy huts does this town need to set up? Like, how many loose wooden boards do they need to nail together and then paint on the door fuck house in this goddamn town? Because we've got the lamplight, uh, we've got the grotto, which is where, like, the eyes wide shut sex parties happen, where Mr. Oh, yeah. and Mrs. Pembroke go. The college kids go to the lamplight, the adults wear masks at the grotto, and then... Well, the lords, the lords of pleasure wear masks at the grotto. Yes, that makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. And then they then they graduate from the school and become the Mr. Pembrokes of the world. Uh, I can only assume Mr. Pembroke is a secret member of that lords of pleasure club. Definitely. And now we have Louie's Boom Boom Room. <laughs> and that's, I have to assume it's a strip club. They never say as much. 
<laughs> but how could it not? It's called Boom Boom. Show me your Boom Booms. <laughs> yeah. Um, Buddy's wearing a, a tuxedo he he rented. I don't think he bought it. Uh, but he rented it from a place that also sells uh, fish and mm. fish tanks. So great job, buddy. Um, and it's weird that they make the joke that it's such a bad, awful tux because it's like crushed velvet. Um, but I think the style has uh, revolved enough that you can totally wear that. Yeah, it's this weird combination. It's got like weird scarlet pimpernel ruffles mm-hmm. and a lot of flower print. I- I'm pretty sure there were flower prints on the damn thing. No. Uh, but yeah, the the shirt underneath specifically was very seventies. It yeah, had like it was a goofy retro. 70s. Yeah, it was retro. Uh, you could absolutely pull that off now. Uh, sure, especially at a bachelor party because who cares what the fuck you wear at a bachelor party? In fact, I think Charles is a little too dressed up. Mm-hmm. Also, I guess just in hindsight, why the hell are they wearing tuxedos to a bachelor party anyway? It's a classy bachelor party. I guess in a place called Louis Boom Boom Room. <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't know. It just seems... Charles is... I mean, he looks really nice, uh, but he's way too dressed up. So, yeah, that's that's the first little bit that we get uh, about the current state of affairs at the Pembroke house. Mm. Um, so what are Douglas and Jason doing? Douglas is... Oh, oh, I know what Jason's doing. I remember. Yeah, he's, I remember Jason. He's taking photos for his school's paper because the paper is holding a funny photo contest. And the prize is seeds. Jason is trying to get seeds so he can grow food so he doesn't starve to death. Exactly. Well, he says, I just want to win something because I think he needs some attention because clearly there's no food in his belly. He hasn't slept in weeks. He tried to kill himself when there was a snowstorm. Let's not not mince words. He tried to kill himself during that snowstorm. (laughs) Definitely. Um, So, yeah, he's taking Polaroid pictures of a lot of different situations, but never quite getting the right photo. Oh, it's sad. Oh, I missed it. So what is Douglas doing? Do we remember? Yes, Douglas was kissed by a girl in the coat room. How can I keep all this straight? Like, every, every goddamn week is something with these kids. And also, this is a weird retcon of Douglas as a character. We've seen him go from being a guy who knows nothing about women to desperately wanting to know about women and how they work sexually. But then now, it seems as if he's gone back to not knowing a damn thing. It doesn't even seem like he knows what a kiss is. Yeah, it's weird. It's definitely weird. Plus, the girl's ugly, right? I don't know if she... I don't know if she is or not. Well, okay, well... He's, like, he's like washing his mouth off in the beginning of the episode. Oh, no, I got kissed. But then Charles is like, so how did you feel about it? Honestly, I'm not sure. <sighs> Douglas is a little old to not know how he feels about it. If he was Jason's age, that then it would make more sense. But Jason's more of a ladies' man than Douglas is at the age of goddamn 12. Let's just assume yeah. Douglas is 13 at this point. Uh, because this is what I noticed about this episode specifically. Both Douglas and Jason look older. Jason looks a little taller, and so does Douglas. And I just got the sense that out of no, like maybe they had taken a break in between shooting episodes, but like there seems to be a growth spurt going on. And for Douglas not to know how he feels about girls kissing him, that's a weird sign. <laughs> um, I, I think the idea is that she's ugly because at one point Charles and Douglas are having a very inappropriate uh, practice makeout session in Charles's bedroom, which is 
radically inappropriate. And if anything, Jason should be the one <laughs> having this happen to him. But uh, Charles <laughs> Charles takes uh, Douglas's G.I. Joe Cobra mask and says, pretend this is the girl that wants to kiss you. And Douglas goes, oh, you're giving her too much credit. That's right. So I think the idea is that he doesn't like her. Or maybe he That's does. True. Maybe he's just like, you know, I don't, I'm not really attracted to this girl at all. But uh, any action's better than no action. I mean, I know she's going to rape me when I get that coat from the band room. Because the situation was, he went into the band room coat closet, and in the dark, she was there waiting for him and began to assault his face. Band girls are whores. Like, yeah, Douglas, you like that? I'm 13. You're 13. Yeah, this is happening. This is happening right now. Help! I need a helper. I need a helper. Um... So, does that ever really get resolved? Is there really a, a button to that arc? I think it just kind of stops. I don't think we yeah, hear about yeah, that yeah. for a while. Um, and Jason's thing with the photo, that's hit and miss. It's its there, it's not, and it doesn't really fucking matter. But, but the real story here is, of course, Lila and the wrong guy. And I really like this story. I do, and I was surprised at how dramatic it became. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and not unrealistically either. The, the only thing that I found to be too cartoonish was the performance of the character Van, yeah. a.k.a. the wrong guy. Because <laughs> this guy doesn't come off as dangerous. He just comes off as kind of dumb and goofy. Apparently he's not in school. Right. So I don't know how he knows Ed, who's clearly a yuppie. I don't know how these two know each other. Um, but he's not in school, so that's kind of a bad sign. Uh, he's in a band called The Scuzz. And, yeah. But outside of that, he doesn't seem like a mean guy. Like, he would, like, be rude to Lila or hurt Lila in any way. He just kind of seems oblivious and stupid. Right. He's just a loser. Yeah. He, yeah, he's kind of just a bum. Which, you know, if you're a dad, I guess that's a bad... You don't want your daughter going out with a bum, right. but it's just a date. Right. It's not like he's going to marry the girl. Uh... We realize he's kind of stupid because the second he walks in, he goes, "Oh, my parents have that painting, but you got it upside down." Here, I'll, 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 I'll turn it around for you. Hey, Van, see the signature in the bottom right-hand corner? That means that it should be right there. Stop trying to turn the painting around because your parents are like weird. crazy coked-up hippies. Yeah, that was so fucking weird. He's dressed like Bruce Springsteen a little bit because he's got the denim jacket without the sleeves and the red bandana. But he's singing like a virgin. I know. I love that. That's like they're showing. Oh, he's he's a he's a bad boy rocker. He's singing a Madonna song. Um, do you do you remember the location where his band plays or rehearses or has jam sessions? Uh, I don't know. If I was to guess, I would have said it, it was his house. But where? It's at Gooey Louie's. No. I wonder if it's the same Louis that owns uh, Louis's Boom Boom Room. It's gotta be, and you know that's like a, that's like an under twenty one, like Chuck E. Cheese version of Louis's Boom Boom Room. <laughs> come to come to Gooey Louis. Maybe he gets yeah. maybe he gets the Copeland cheerleaders to come over and do routines in front of the teenage boys, and he's like, yeah, this may this ain't stripping boys, but it's as good as it gets at Louis Gooey Gooey Louis Sticky Sticky. <laughs> Who wants to get gooey with Louie Gooey? Not me, sir. Yeah. Ooh, I'd rather wait until I'm old enough to go to Louie's Boom Boom Room because this is <laughs> creepy and not right. Yeah. Um, so Ed, <laughs> the buddy to Van, is played by Matthew Perry. How old is Matthew Perry in this, do you think? 
I don't know, but he he looked weird when he was younger. He looked very strange. But this isn't that far away from Friends. I mean, Friends it's not. Friends premiered in what 94, 95? Oh my god, you're right. Oh well, that's still that's still long. That's, that's still long. 10 years yeah. because this is 85. But man, he went through kind of a crazy little transformation because he has a lot of baby fat. Mm-hmm. And I at first I was like, no, that's not. Yep, it is. All right, fair enough. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I would have had a huge problem with Lila going out with Van. Uh, or Ed, really, but Ed just kind of came off as a as a doof. Mm-hmm. Like a sweater vest wearing 80s prep. But of course, Mr. Pembroke loves him. Right. Because his father goes to Princeton. Mm-hmm. And yet again... Um, I think there's a line where Mr. Pembroke says, Don't worry, Charles, the Pembrokes know how to do this right, or something to that effect. And in this episode, in the next episode, there's an instance in the second episode, uh, Mr. Brilliant, where Charles says Pembroke and Pembroke within maybe nine seconds. God, damn. He keeps saying it over and over, and it's like, Pembroke, 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 and nope, Scott Baio, someone needs to sit down with you. And the rest of his cast... Uh, maybe they realized this family wasn't going to last through the second season, and they just didn't give a shit. And the second season, we'll have a new family. We'll, we'll give them a really easy name, like Smith. It's There's some stupid bullshit. Um, so the conflict comes out of the fact that Charles convinces the parents to let Lila go on a double date, but when Ed drops out, Lila chooses not to tell her parents. And Charles says to her, look, I gotta go to this bachelor party, I gotta go, but you are going to tell your parents because I'm putting faith in you. And Lila, who's a little bitch, doesn't fucking tell her parents. Right. That's a, she's pulling out lying to Charles. Yeah, she, she is. She goes, oh, of course, Charles. And then she turns to the audience and goes, of course I won't. Basically. <laughs> and she shows up an hour past her curfew, which is 1030, like, for a 14-year-old? That's pretty late. Uh, I was out that late. Really? I, it seems like for the 80s, though, like 9.30. Like, you're going out at 7, then you're coming back at 9.30. I don't know. Uh, 10.30 seems like a pretty pretty wide berth. But she shows up an hour late because uh, the Scuzz Jam session at Gooey Louie's, they only have one song, apparently. I can't for Oh, I need to write this stuff down. I haven't been taking notes lately. I wish I would. Know, I wish I could know the name of the one song his band. Oh, has. it was it was awful too. It, I, I didn't write it either. Oh, but Charles reveals that he's in a band. <laughs> yeah. Is he making yes. this up? <laughs> I don't think so. He calls it like the Charles Tones. The Charles Tones. The worst name for a band. What what kind of super super gay glee club were you in? I know. Is he doing like some sort of Lords of Pleasure acapella group? Like, uh, what do they sing Charles, for the longest time? <laughs> can you imagine what a loser Charles was in high school? Oh, poor Charles. There's a reason he fled all the way to... Copeland. Oh, Copeland. There's a reason why a lot of girls think he's cute, but none of them stick around for more than an episode. Because they're right. like, oh, you're a dork. <laughs> you're a stupid dork. Oh, yeah, I'll totally go see your performance <laughs> in, uh, the Charles Tones. That's supposed to be a play on the Charleston? I don't know. Jesus Christ. Uh, it's horrible. Um, oh, yes. Also, um, there's a there's a great... And I I, I, want, I like to imagine what's happening in the writer's room of Charles in Charge. 
I like to imagine that there's like, um, that there's like some old writers that have been in the business for, you know, 20, 30 years, but there's a couple of young upstart writers. Like some staff members from the Mary Tyler Moore show who are kind of on right, the last right. legs. <laughs> yeah, but, and, and they just have a lot of, they have a lot of trouble dealing with the lingo because there's a point where, um, Mr. Pembroke pulls uh, Charles and Mrs. Pembroke into the kitchen mm-hmm. and is like, uh, he's a hood. Yeah. And then Miss Pembroke says, um, they don't have those anymore. What, they don't have those anymore from the time between the, the last episode we saw and this one? Because in the last episode with Meg Ryan, Lila dressed like a hood. Right. She was like, guess this, what, I want to be a hood. This is why I like to imagine that there's a couple of young writers that were working on this episode that are clearly just making fun of the older writers that keep writing the word hood into, into scripts. Yeah, so like they, they got that draft and they were like, God, just give Mrs. Pembroke a line that makes fun of Mr. Pembroke. Because oh. this is not going to work. Yes. God, I hear that Lila's joined the Foot Clan. I hear that she's working with Shredder these days. Like, shut up. It gets really dramatic because uh, Mr. Pembroke is pissed. He's really mad. And it's actually played pretty well by both uh, that actor and Scott Baio. And they get really upset with each other to a point where I was like, is Charles going to get fired? Because this is kind of an... It's kind of a fireable offense. Right. Well, it's, it's... It's a good conflict in the fact that Charles w- was trusting Lila, and Mr. Pembroke's like, look, you shouldn't trust her. She's a child that we pay you to keep watch, not to trust. Yeah, you're not, like, don't over, don't think that you're creeping into, like, different territory here. You're, you're, you're supposed to make sure that they're safe. You don't, like, make decisions that kind of affect their choices and all, like, which we've seen before, but it's never been this dramatic. Right. And he, uh... Because at one point, I think Mrs. Pembroke says, she goes, we love these kids. And Charles goes, well, I fucking love them too. And uh, he's, he tells Lila later, you just destroyed what it took eight months for me to build up. Which yeah. was pretty, like, that's a pretty good line. Yeah, like, I've been absolutely. I've been here eight months, I've been taking care of all three of these kids, and in one night, I, I made a mistake that kind of obliterated all of it. Thanks, Lila. And I like the fact that it, the episode doesn't end on a goofy, lighthearted note where everything's okay. Because Lila's been grounded for three weeks, and that's a given. But she's really upset, and she's really sad, because mm. for the first time she realizes she's fucked up. This right. isn't like when Lila put on makeup and tried to sneak out of the house. <laughs> like, oh, Lila. This is like, no, Lila, you're a fucking idiot. Why did, Like, you couldn't have gone to, like, a phone and called the house or something. Like, you're, you're being a dumbass. And the episode's the episode ends with her asking Charles if she can get a hug, which I was gonna call inappropriate bad touch, but I don't know. I think that moment kind of yeah. works. Yeah, they earned it. Yeah, and Charles is still he's not happy, but he's like, well, I wasn't fired, so clearly we can like keep moving forward with this. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I would definitely say overall this is one of my favorite episodes. Well, and it seemed like Mr. and Mrs. Pembroke were parents. Mm-hmm. For once, yeah. as opposed to constantly flitting in and out of the house to go to other things, mm-hmm. um, which is why I find this next episode all the funnier because Mrs. Pembroke <laughs> prepares this huge meal like she's on drugs. Yeah, let's just get into that then. One, two, three. All right, this is Mr. Brilliant. Charles wants to do something nice for Miss Pembroke because she does a ridiculous amount of nice things for him that we're apparently just finding out about. Um, he's, he bought her a plant. She gave him some awesome tickets to the big game. He's excited. Oh, but now he's, she's one-upped him. What's he going to do? 
oh, easy, he's gonna get that famous lecturer, Max Ziegler, to come to dinner because they went to high school together and Miss Pembroke worships him because he's the one that um, influenced her to become a writer. Meanwhile, Lila's bought shoes. Her mother wants to take them back because they're ugly. Douglas is making cards. Um, they're weird. Jason has a chameleon that's all over the place. It's wacky. Um, turns out Max Ziegler is a big douche. Mr. Pembroke hates him because he's an asshole, and he he just makes Miss Pembroke feel worse about herself. In the end, Miss Pembroke realizes she has everything to be happy about. She doesn't need this guy, and they kick his ass out. Charles in charge. Fifty-eight point six. Ooh, right under the wire. Um, I'm just going to come out of the gate saying that I don't think this is a very good episode. And uh, I say that only for the character of Max Siegler. Yeah. The way he's written and the way he is portrayed by the actor is completely ridiculous and doesn't fit in at all with what's going on in the rest of the episode. Yeah, I really wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, when this episode started, because I haven't watched it in a while, Mm -hmm. I I wanted to think, you know... I want to just imagine this guy is dead on, and I'm going to agree with him. <laughs> well, but he's such a ridiculous cliche. Well, yeah, and he brings up some points. Well, okay, let's get some context here, because all three of them, Mr. Pembroke, Mrs. Pembroke, and Max, they all went to high school together. And apparently right. he used to make her feel bad whenever she would criticize her writing, which, A, kind of indicates that she has a shitty self-esteem. Because at the time, well, if he was as much of a douche back then as he is now, he's probably saying things like, 16-year-old Mrs. Pembroke, your writing is awful. You're never going to write for the box of a cereal company, <laughs> much less a newspaper like I will. And I don't know. Who, who the hell is a great writer in high school? No one. Especially not Max like, Ziegler. And so it indicates that she had a shitty self-esteem, but she hung around with him anyway... So it sounds like she's kind of a shattered emotional wreck. Like, Max treats me like shit. I'm kind of in love with him. It's pretty clear that she's in love with him. Yeah. Uh, She gets into a fancy outfit. She kind of blushes when he kisses her on the cheek. And, of course, Mr. Pembroke hates her because clearly he picked up the ashes when he went away to whatever fancy college. And then they both went to a shitty community college like Copeland. And so he picked up the ashes, and he was clearly the uh, settlement. The consolation (laughs) prize, as it were. Definitely. Um, So clearly he hates Maxine film. You know, I feel like this whole episode would have worked better if it was, like, one of her college professors that she had, like, worshipped. The fact that it was someone that she actually went to high school with bothers me. That doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, because he seems slightly older than them. Not by much. It feels like he should be older than them. Yeah, but they're in the same yearbook. I don't know right. if they're necessarily in the same class section in the yearbook. I, but still. I kind of imagine that maybe maybe she was a, like a freshman or sophomore and he was a senior. And that she looked up to him maybe in that way as well. I don't know. That context is not provided. Um, there's a lot of goofy yearbook humor with a lot of giggling. And I don't think the humor really plays because we can't see the photos. So it's like, oh, look at how silly Mr. Pembroke looks. Well, we can't see the photo, so... He had a buzz cut. Is that what they say? Yeah. Oh, for God's sake. And they're like, I can't believe Mr. Pembroke, I went to Woodstock, was a hall monitor. Really? Have you met Mr. Pembroke? I know. 
He is like the most Republican person I've ever met. I know. For that one episode where they tried to trick Charles into letting them go see Bruce Springsteen, I don't buy for a second that these two are all that swinging and cure. Although they do, you know, take themselves having sex with dogs. So true. That's we never see the cat, so I just assume that it's taxidermy, and then they fuck that too. Um, Our cat. So what's going on, Lila? Shut up. You're really pushing your luck, Lila. Lila cannot dress herself. No, she was dressed like some sort of. She was dressed like Jacquet from Two Two Seven. Yes. Like a crazy bubblegum cotton candy nightmare, all in an attempt to show and prove to her mother that these crazy hot pink high heels could be worn with an outfit. I can't believe she owns those clo- those articles of clothing. Yeah. She looks like a crazy person. She is a crazy person. But lest we forget, Mrs. Pembroke's crazy purple Dalmatian dress. <laughs> her Rorschach test of a nightmare. Oh, what a sartorial decision. Um... So bad fashion taste runs in the family. That's all I'm saying. Definitely. Uh, Jason is taking care of his team's mascot. Which sport is he playing in this episode? I don't even think... Did they even say? There's a field. I know they go out into the field as opposed to a court. Right. And part of the... They take the mascot out onto the field. Don't, how do you not... How do they not constantly lose the mascot in the game? Well, he's a chameleon. Let's state that again. He, they take him out the grass. He blends with the grass. Put him on the on the uh, the little line at the end of the field. He blends it with that. Uh, and so it's like, how is that entertaining for the audience, uh, the uh, spectators, I should say. You can tell how <laughs> little I know about sports because I refer to them as the audience. <laughs> oh, this sports game is delightful. Encore, encore. <laughs> When's the intermission? Uh, in, in, in a little bit, uh, gay, stuffy man. Uh, so that's what the kids are doing. At one point, Jason loses the chameleon because why wouldn't he lose the chameleon? Jason's a Of course. Uh, Who'd... Who didn't see that coming? As you brought up in your summary, since when does Mrs. Pembroke do nice things for anyone, much less Charles? It's a conceit that they start off in the beginning of the episode to set it up. It's so elaborate. It is. It's it's, it's supposing this history that we've never heard of. Right. Like, oh, I always do something nice for Mrs. Pembroke, but then she one-ups me. When did that ever happen? <laughs> oh, sitcoms in the 80s. How lazy. Um, hey, Charles, here, here are some really great seats to the big game. Here you go. Well, and then then she goes, oh, Charles, you put a plant there where I've always thought a plant should go, even though it's blocking two of my bookcases and is going to make it impossible for me to access those books. And then I thought, for the first time, I started looking at the sets for this house, and I was like, god damn it, if you know there's one thing this house doesn't need, it's another fucking plant. There's so many <laughs> random-ass plants coming out of the walls in this fucking house, it doesn't need another one. She loves plants. And that one's big, and it's ugly. Yeah. It's pretty fucking ugly. Um... So yeah, he devises a plot to get Max over there, but the shit that comes out of Max's mouth, no human would ever say. So you're telling me you've never seen the Bulls run? So you're telling me you've never been to Paris? I can't believe that you live here with these children, and you do this awful job? Oh my goodness. No one talks like that. No, no one. First of all, let me- I mean, you could be a passive-aggressive douche, but good god. I will grant that there's a huge chance that Mrs. Pembroke may be a terrible writer. Yeah, and to be fair, she's working for a small... It's New Jersey, right? right? They're in New Jersey. Yeah. So she's yeah. writing for a small paper, and she's going to the local theater and reviewing a Swedish film every mm-hmm. now and then, but then sometimes she's a food critic. Willy Wong's right. China Palace, if we are forgiving. <laughs> she, she very well may be a terrible writer, but I, I cannot fathom... 
any situation in which this weirdo douchebag has any right... I, I don't believe he's read anything she's ever written. I don't believe he has any right to condemn her at all. Because as a writer, getting any kind of work as a writer is near impossible. Right. So the fact that she has a steady editor position, basically, like at this point, she's the editor. Yeah, that's a good job. Yeah, and she's you writing small pieces along someone. with that. Right. Um, I'd like to think that he's such a douchebag. He's coming at it from the high school perspective of back in high school, she was a hack. And he hasn't bothered to read a single thing she's written since. Right. So she's probably, <laughs> she might be a hack, it's... but she might have improved a great deal. And at the same time, we need hacks in the world because somebody has to write shitty local newspapers. Well, and if she wanted to do other things, she would. We've already right. had that episode where she kind of scaled back her responsibilities at work so she could be at home more. And Mr. Pembroke looks her dead in the eye and goes, are you unhappy with any of this? Because if you are and you agree with what this douchebag's saying, maybe you should. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He's really hard on her. He's like, are you unhappy with me? Are you unhappy with the children or Charles or the house? And she goes, no, I couldn't be happier. And frankly, I'm like, well, you probably could stand to be a little happier. But <laughs> everyone could stand to be a little happier. Don't be that sure. unrealistic. There is that sweet Pembroke money, though. Yeah, I guess he is pulling in a good deal of money for that house. I mean, Max Ziegler, I guess, is like super famous and super rich. But the Pembrokes got money. Right. They're definitely upper middle class. And I just have this feeling that he never got to sad power fuck her back in high school. And the only reason he's shown up is because he thinks he's going to get her in the sack somehow. Like, I'm going to get this broken, sad woman without a self-esteem. I'm going to impress her with all of this stupid bullshit and make her feel bad about herself. And then she's going to sad fuck me. Yes. While Mr. Pembroke watches and films it. Though he does, he he claims that he's there because he wants to interview Charles for his new book. That makes no sense. No, that's the stupidest part of the episode. I think. Yeah. How many characters? How many villainous characters need to show up and offer Charles some sort of sweet deal to get out of the house before Charles is like, "All right, that's enough." Listen, I'm a college student. I'm good. Hey, I'm cousin Elliot. Get the hell out, Charles. Hi, I'm Grandma Pembroke. Get the fuck out, Charles. I am Max Ziegler. <laughs> it's so weird. Everyone wants to stop Charles from being Charles, but he's got a damn good gig. Yeah, I mean, he saved $80. <laughs> and then he spent that $500 he earned selling pizza. <laughs> well, he's got room and board, plus all the gifts from Miss Pembroke. I guess. He's getting Nick's, he's getting Nick's tickets, and she's so dumb <laughs> that at one point she goes, they're really bad seats, they're right behind the bench. And Charles and Buddy go, uh, those aren't bad seats, Mrs. Pembroke. She goes, oh, but those those boys are so tall. And I'm like, oh, Mrs. Pembroke, please tell me that you're not required to cover sports on top of everything else. <laughs> I can just imagine that column. The basketball got thrown around a lot, and at one point it went through a basket of netting. I assume someone won. <laughs> the end. Mrs. Pembroke, stop writing the end at, everyone, at the end of every one of your columns. <laughs> but isn't that how a story ends? You're fired. <laughs> Oh, it's a good God. thing I can rely on my husband's awful sporting equipment that doesn't look good on any child. Hey, Lila, put on this sporting equipment. Doesn't it look good, Charles? No. Mr. Pembroke is amused by making Lila wear crap. Oh, put this on, Lila. Here, let me take your photo. Stupid 
<laughs> I'm trying to see if I can uh, shape a terrible fashion sense in my daughter. Lila, do me a favor. Uh, put on the lower half of this baseball outfit we've designed at my company, and then the top half, I want it to be that outfit you wore to dinner with Max Zinkler. And then I want you to put on your crazy pink acrylic nails. Why didn't we, sh- why didn't we see those again? Those needed to make a return appearance. Oh. And then, uh, Douglas, I want you to stand next to wearing your Mac and Me mask, because for some reason you think this is a formal occasion, and that requires a mask. Of course. Douglas needs therapy. Yes. I mean, Jason is going to have to go to a psychosexual analysis, basically, for the, you know, for the rest of his life. But Douglas just needs, he needs to talk to someone outside of that house. Because right. he's a little bit off. There's a reason why Grandma doesn't like him. <laughs> Douglas, take off the mask around my fancy writer friend. I thought this was a formal occasion. That's not a correct response. I'm going to go make out with my pillow in the dark, and then Jason's going to watch me take photos. And then I'm going to look at the photos to see if I have good form and ask Charles if he agrees. Charles, I just feel like I'm not getting enough out of the mask. I feel like I need real-world experience, Charles. (laughs) It really did feel like that was about to happen. I don't know how I feel about a girl kissing me, but I have a theory, a scientific (laughs) hypothesis, as to how my body will react if you kiss me, Charles. Wow. (laughs) You know, with this show, I'm creating stories and plot lines that are just <laughs> progressively more disturbing. So much fan fiction. Oh, so much fan slash fiction. Jason was nervous, but curious. <laughs> Chapter two. <laughs> oh, gross. Well, guys, next week will be the uh, final installment of the Charles in Charge rewatch. Yep. Uh, the the last episode, which is something about Grandpa? What is it? It's uh, Meet Grandpa. I want it to be called There's Something Wrong with Grandpa. <laughs> and I want it to be an Alzheimer's episode. <laughs> like, just when that just when that uh, was being hit upon. What's wrong, Grandpa? I'm at the circus. Can't you hear the elephants? Grandpa's fun. Grandpa's crazy. Grandpa's dying. Do, do, do. Um, I wonder if there in the later seasons there were like really like issue driven episodes of Charles in Charge. Oh, there must have like been. maybe an AIDS episode. I'm sure. Like Jason, well, Jason doesn't want to play with one of the kids. No, that was an actual episode of uh, Silver Spoons or something. Mm-hmm. Where like uh, the kids didn't want to like touch this AIDS boy. <laughs> Ew, AIDS boy. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 wrap up with. Meet Grandpa, and then the first episode of the second season. And after that, it's over. It's over. Well, friends, uh, we're at the close of another episode of Ram Jack. I hope you've had a nice time. I know I have. I hope Brad remembers all of this, because maybe he feels this is all a giant hallucination. I, I had a fever dream podcast. Jonathan was talking about mustache rides at a pub. I don't know what he was talking about. If you get this file and I'm the only one talking, at least know that I'm hallucinating that Jonathan's there. Oh, no, how sad. <laughs> what, what a Shyamalan twist. <laughs> Jonathan's not even real. What? Neither is Alex. <laughs> You've been listening to over 60 episodes <laughs> of Brad just talking to two people that don't exist. And by you, I mean me, because it's all me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So many stretches of silence. <laughs> it's sad. But... If you wanna, if you've had a fever dream of your own and you wanna get in touch with us, you can do that by calling us at two zero six three three nine five eight nine four, or emailing us at ramjackpodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. That's twitter.com slash ramjack. I told myself I would fucking update it, too. I need to get back on that. I'll do that afterward. Done. You're best. <laughs> um, of course, there's the website at curiosityabounds.com slash ramjack. Check it out. There's captions. It's awesome. I love them. Um, there's funny tags. Just look and see what the tags are. They're amusing. Listen to the old episodes. Do whatever you gotta do. Live your life. Have fun. Also, um, you can hear me on the Twin Peaks podcast and Jonathan on the Cough Syrup podcast. Ta-da! <coughs> oh, oh, Jonathan. Oh, no. Sorry, I have a tickle in my throat here. Oh, well, it, it's simple. I've got a remedy for you. Um, all you need are some of these... Oh, mm. much more economical than halls. These are the halls of medicine. And within these halls, you'll find comfort for a sore and scratchy throat. A way to quiet a hacking cough. And a feeling of relief for a stuffy nose. Because these halls are real medicine, with vapor action to bring you fast relief for your cold. These are halls meant for lift cough tablets. These are the halls of medicine.